Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, Dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. You guys, today's episode is such a great one. It's, of course, with none other than Danielle Bernstein, founder of We Wore What, who hardly needs an intro. But if you're not familiar with her, she is the OG content creator. She was one of the first and she really paved the way for everyone else who is doing content creation as a career. So, you know, a lot of respect for her right off the bat. But I was so interested to speak to Danielle because she has been so strategic in terms of how she has progressed in her career. She started off as a content creator, diversified her brand by starting her own clothing line. She's collaborated with brands on limited edition product lines. She is an advisor and an investor in multiple brands. She's just so, so smart, like probably one of the smartest entrepreneurs that I have ever spoken to. Nish and I met her for drinks and Nish came out of that and he was like, she's probably like one of the most savvy businesswomen that I have ever met. I know that Danielle is one of those people who have kind of, um, I guess, polarized a lot of people. But I love this conversation because she opens up about her whole journey, um, kind of like how she has dealt with negativity, how she's grown throughout her career, her career trajectory. It really is a information packed episode. And there is just so much that everyone can learn from her, especially content creators, because, you know, instead of boxing ourselves up as just that, there's such an opportunity to leverage our strengths to do something more. And she's just a great example of that. And I have a lot of respect for her and really like her. So I'm so excited to get into this interview. Before we do, let's talk about this week's hot tip. So it's actually a book. You guys know I love my book recommendations, but this one is a one that I recently 
read and I actually finished it in two days because it is just such a phenomenal read. It's called Be Your Future Self Now by Dr. Benjamin Hardy. It is such an actionable book. So you guys know I would do this future or I do do this future self journaling practice and I've been doing it for a really long time. I discuss it in my journaling solo episode. Um, you can you can go listen to that. It was, I think, released in February this year. But this book is really about embodying our future selves, you know, becoming that best version of ourselves, really narrowing down our goals, the psychology behind it. It's like very rooted in science. There's a lot of mindset pieces into it that go into it. So really, really phenomenal read for anyone who is looking to better themselves, which really, I mean, shouldn't it be everyone? (laughs) So highly, highly recommend this book honestly like game changer I actually texted my brother yesterday I think it was and I was like drop everything that you're reading and buy this book immediately it's totally a game changer so I think you guys will really enjoy it all right this week's review comes to us from a Rollins and they say relatable I stumbled upon the show a few months ago and I now listen to it every week. I love the topics she goes over, including health tips, lifestyle, or running a business. The variety is entertaining, yet the flow of the show is relatable and digestible if you don't know a lot on the topic. Thank you so much for leaving this review. And, you know, it it, it just means so much to me. And you guys, if you have a couple of minutes and want to show this show <laughs> support, please take the time to rate and review the show. All you have to do is open the Apple podcast app, scroll down to the bottom where it says rate and review the show. If you feel like I've deserved it, please leave the show a five-star rating. And in the review section, tell me what you want to see more of, what you're loving, dream guests. I really do shape this show based on what you ask for. And in fact, Danielle Bernstein is another example of a guest that you guys have requested. And I really do take your reviews seriously. And, you know, it helps get the show out to more people. It tells Apple that you guys are taking value from it. And that always helps. So please take a minute to do that if you haven't already. All right. With that, let's welcome Danielle Bernstein to the Dream Bigger podcast. The first question I want to ask you is actually, do you think it's too late for someone to be a content creator? Not at all. I love that you say that. So yeah. tips and tricks. It's not too everything. late. You just have to be, and as corny as this is going to sound, so different and niche. And you really have to find something that makes you stand out in a market that is really oversaturated. I think that, you know, being authentic, even though we overuse that word, is the most important thing nowadays. Like, don't put out content because you feel like you have to, and that's what's trending right now. You have to put out what feels good for you because that will show through. I was literally speaking to Melissa right before Mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. and she was like, you know, when it feels forced, people can tell. And a thousand percent. I, I like fully agree with that. And that's actually something I love about your content because it feels like you, you just took it while you were going places. Yeah. And if I have to do something sponsored on a certain day and it doesn't feel good that day, I will tell the brand, actually, I was planning on doing it today, but it doesn't really feel like the right time. I want to wait till Monday or mm-hmm. whatever the next day is. I think that even happened when I posted for Ray the first time. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I want to wait till I'm like really ready and like I'm ready to talk about it in a way that feels so good. And that's what we did. I honestly, I think that that is the way to mm-hmm. go. And I think like the more authentic and real it feels like 
day-to-day content, mm-hmm. sponsored content, all of it, I think the more it resonates with people as well. Yeah. It's the only way. So no, it's not too late. So, <laughs> you know, when you started, you know, it was a different landscape. You were an OG. Mm-hmm. What tips do you have today to stay relevant? Because you've actually consistently stayed relevant and on top of things and evolved your content to move with the times. So what tips do you have for creators today? I think it's a combination of not being afraid to try new things. So, you know, we've noticed that even leaning into the TikTok trends a little bit, I'll get maybe like 10 to 12 cents to me a day from my team. And I'll say yes to maybe one. Mm -hmm. And it's because I have to still do obviously what feels good for me and what feels authentic to my personality. But showing more personality has been so important and really letting my followers into the behind the scenes of it all and being really raw with them on, you know, what's going on with my business and the landscape as it's changing and really just showing all of that. So I think staying relevant is more of just sharing more and more and more, which, Mm -hmm. you know, for better or for worse has been great for me, has also been bad for me in certain ways. And I just think my followers feel like they're following a reality show and they're watching my Instagram and my stories mainly. And then throughout my feed, now that we're leaning a lot more into reels and video content, you're seeing that more and more. Are you like, do you post everything real time? Like I'm talking stories and stuff. Basically everything is real time. And I know Melissa is similar in that way, but 99% of content creators are not. They're late posting or taking content and then posting it the next week. And I think that's also part of what has kept me and my brand the way, you know, that it has been is really posting all in real time always. So literally you capture content, just like fucking throw Mm -hmm. it up there. The only time I'll ever delay my posting is if I'm somewhere where maybe I'd be worried about somebody showing up like at a restaurant and maybe I want to post it right when I'm leaving instead, but it'll always be within the hour. I actually genius tip because I think that also there was a period in time where almost became like I don't know, like things shifted like in Mm -hmm. the middle. Okay. So like, you know, Instagram started and everything was like instantaneous. Okay. It was like, you know, you post whatever, like fucking Valencia filter, like no one gave a shit. Do you remember that? (laughs) What were the other ones called? They were so crazy. They had like a vignette on the outside (laughs) and like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I used that. Yeah. But in the middle, it became like very overproduced where people would like do Mm -hmm. these like very lengthy, like really over the top recaps, like, you know, shoot everything on a professional camera. And that was like Mm -hmm. the times, you know? Oh, iPhone is king. Yeah. Nowadays, I even just met with Instagram recently and they were just telling me like continue with the iPhone content, like your high resolution content doesn't perform as well. Yeah. I think like now we've kind of gone back to that. And like, I, I almost like it because it's just like, you just post it and don't really think about it anymore. It's easy. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So given that your whole life is on social, Mm -hmm. what are your boundaries around it? Certain things with my boyfriend. He'll allow me to post parts of our relationship, but you, no one even knows his name really. So I pick and choose what I share, but it's also just based on what he's comfortable with. And then, you know, certain things with my business. Not everybody needs to know every time I'm meeting with a lawyer or the ins and outs of, you know, the financials of my business model. And I think that, there's a certain sense of myself that I have pulled back since the pandemic started just from like being able to protect my mental well-being and and needing to protect myself in that way. But then I like lean in and become a lot more raw and I share when I'm having those moments where I feel really low or, or something like that. And I actually end up feeling better because of the, the sharing from it. So it's just about 
finding the right balance. But I think you have to, you know, as a public figure, you do have to protect yourself in a certain way. But sharing is what has made me a public figure and allows me to have my business. So it's really about balance. What part of yourself do you think you pulled back? the stress and anxiety and I would share a lot of it, but then it almost came from a place that would appear privileged, which I am. But I think that I had to pull back on the sharing of the downside and the negativity, especially during the pandemic, because I felt like if I put out that negativity and I was combating haters or anything like that, then that's what I was getting back. So what you put out is really what you receive. And so I learned very early on, thankfully, to stop addressing the haters and the negativity because I was putting it out and that's what was coming back to me. And so once I just ignored, like ignore, 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 it's impossible, but you have to do it. Then you just put out positivity and that's what comes back to you. And you realize that the haters always seem so much louder than the supporters, but they're not. They're really a small number of people. Honestly, I think it's like so important that you say this because I feel like we live in this era where people like angry people are so loud. Mm -hmm. They're so loud. And it's like, you don't go into someone's house and like shit on their floor. (laughs) And yet like people are, yeah, it's just, it's like keyboard warriors. It's so crazy. Like it is Mm -hmm. actually so insane. Like I can't, I mean, people going to someone's page and like writing mean things or like, you know, I mean, it happens to us as a brand as well. Like you can't escape it, you know? And like someone is upset that, UPS delivered their package to the wrong place and then they just like go off. Oh, yeah. Customer service issues are like a nightmare on our social media. I mean, it's insane. And like we're mm-hmm. like, you know, they, they don't like something you wore or something you've said. And it's like just unfollow. You know, yeah. that option is definitely there. Yeah. You know, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Right. That's like the biggest saying. And I think behind their keyboards, they feel a lot more powerful. And, you know, they're essentially, you know, not afraid to speak up about something that they see that they don't like, but they would never be that way in person. And you just kind of always have to remember that is like, okay, I feel really bad for this person and I'm just going to ignore it Mm -hmm. because if they want attention, like somebody only comments something so mean on somebody's public profile because they want you to see it and they want you to address it. You come off as like so strong and confident. I mean, you are, Mm -hmm. but how do you deal with like what, at the beginning, maybe when you started getting hate, like early on in your social media career, whatever, how did you deal with it? And like, how do you kind of, how, how do you protect your mental health? Well, I've gone through sort of like a roller coaster with my haters. So in the beginning of my <laughs> career, I, I would say, okay, haters mean you're doing something right. And like hustle until your haters ask if you're hiring. And I would say all these like fun (laughs) things like that, that I truly believed like really early on when I would speak on panels and all that stuff. And then, you know, there was a time where it got really bad and was like very affected, affected my mental health in a really negative way to the point where I had to be put on medication. And I was, you know, talking to somebody because I was borderline wanting to like not be here anymore. And Then I kind of switched the script again. And I was like, you know what? I just truly, now that I'm in such a better place. So I started taking care of my own mental health and and I started doing breath work and meditating and really taking care of myself from the inside out. And a switch just flipped. 
And I realize, you know, I really just feel bad for these people and they're, I'm not going to let them get to me anymore. And they truly don't. Like, I do not feel affected by haters anymore whatsoever. So I feel like that radiates from my content and from the way I do seem so positive at all times. And it's not like I'm a living a positive life at all times. I have my moments, but they don't affect me anymore in that way. I think it's, I mean, I think people go through that journey and you almost have to like deepen the, that relationship you have with yourself mm-hmm. to get to the place where these things kind of like roll off your back or, you know, sometimes like, exactly. yeah, like you feel a little upset about it, but then you just move on and it's like nothing personal anymore. Yeah. Not at all. I'd never take it personally anymore. Yeah. Like I remember before, like when our business was like super, super young, right? Like a few months into it, like mm-hmm. anytime we'd get like a mean, like just like mean, not even like constructive criticism, but just like meanness, I would be so distraught. You know, I'd be like, oh, but like, you know, what do mm-hmm. I do with this? And it's hard not to feel affected by it when it's so new. Yeah. Because your business is your baby. And mm-hmm. if someone's criticizing it or trying to, you know, tear you down in that way, you you get protective. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's, I don't know, it just doesn't get to me the same way. And you almost have to be like kind of stoic about these things mm-hmm. that like, it's just not my problem how you feel about me. Like, unless you're giving me something like constructive criticism, here for it. Yeah. You're just saying oh, something Oh, I love mean. constructive criticism. It helps and me I'll be ask better. for feedback all the time totally. when it comes to my brand or even the type of content I'm putting out there. But- Yeah. Fuck the haters. Yes, I'm with you. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Babe Original for longer looking lashes in as little as six weeks. From the girl who had short and straight lashes for her entire life and then made everything worse with years of lash extensions, let me tell you, this product works. Listen, if you're a skeptic when it comes to lash products, I don't blame you. I truly was and was super doubtful of any lash serum making a substantial difference in the length of my lashes. But I decided to try the Babe Original Essential Serum because... I saw someone else I know have really great results with a lash serum. So I figured I'd give it a try because it couldn't really do any harm at that point. When I started using it, I took a picture of my lashes on week one and then every week after. A few weeks in, my lashes definitely looked longer, but the real difference was the side-by-side that I posted on Instagram, I want to say like six or seven weeks in. The difference is insane. My lashes look way longer, more lashes. And you guys, when I wear mascara, it's like out of control. I don't even really need to wear eyeliner anymore because the mascara is just enough to make my lashes and my eyes like really, really pop. You can find that picture, by the way, with the like the before and after that I posted on my Instagram highlights called links. Trust me, like just go look. It's 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 unbelievable. Babe Original promises longer looking lashes in as little as six weeks and is so confident in their results that they have a 90 day satisfaction guarantee. Personally, this product is a game changer for me and I feel like I'm just going to be using it forever. Babe Original has offered you guys a special code. Use the code DREAMBIGGER at checkout to save 15% off your order. That's DREAMBIGGER at checkout to save 15% off your order. Enjoy. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued 
at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hi, I'm Bethany. And I'm Anthony Garcia. And this is the Garcia Diaries Unfiltered. In this day and age of filters and heavy editing, we believe in sharing the real and raw parts of marriage, parenthood, and real freaking life that often get filtered over. Every week, we share next level real life confessions from our audience. You'll either feel seen, highly entertained, or maybe even both. Come hang with us and catch a new episode every Friday. Make sure to follow so you don't miss a single confession. So, with social media, do you have like boundaries around like, how often you're on your phone, like whether it's like, is it the first thing you look at in the morning? Like, are you like, how do you manage? Yeah, I'm not great with that. I will (laughs) say like, I, I went through a time where I would try and put my phone away and not have it be the last thing I do before I go to sleep or not be the first thing I do when I wake up. But it's just sort of inevitable. And I don't get down on myself because of it. But I still have my practices and my things that I do to take care of myself first and to practice self-care. But no, yeah, I'm on my phone pretty much 24-7. So when you wake up, talk to me about like the first thing you do. You just pick up your phone? Pick up my phone and I like turn over and I'm on it for maybe like five minutes Uh and then I get out of bed. And I'll either do my breath work or I'll do a little stretching. I never really work out in the morning unless it's scheduled with my trainer because Mm -hmm. I'm not really that much of a morning person. And then, you know, like 30 minutes after I wake up, the girls walk in, I get some coffee. We Wait, 30 minutes after you wake up, your team is at your house working? It depends on the day. Oh, you sound like Nish. <laughs> like truly, I'm I'm like, yeah. I need hours. You do? I wow. need like, okay. I need two hours in the morning to like. Oh, I would be like twiddling my thumbs. I don't even know what I would do. Oh my yeah. God. Okay. So you just like get right into it. Yeah. But also my assistant brings me coffee every morning. Fair. So that's kind of my like start to my day. And then we just like recap on whatever we have going on and we're just sort of hanging out. It's mm-hmm. very much like we don't get to work right away unless we have a crazy day and Alexa's sitting here. She's probably like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yes, we do. But no. And then I'll pop on Zoom because I'm Mo and I work remote and we just like catch up on what we have going on. Very cool. And the day begins. And before you go to bed, phone? Boyfriend time. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's your wind up. Cuddles, a little TV, like whatever else we're doing. <laughs> okay. That's cute. That That's a nice wind yeah. down routine. Yes. Something that I think is, I mean, and you know this, like I've told you this, your selling power is like, holy shit. <laughs> Truly, because as Mm -hmm. a brand, like, I mean, we see when someone posts like what happens and what doesn't. And it's really, really incredible what you've done. You've obviously built a very solid community who very much trusts you. As they should. And as an influencer, it's so important. I will not work with a company unless I would A, buy it myself. B, have been trying it for weeks or months at a time beforehand. And C, because I'm so focused on my own brand, my influencer part of my career is not really my priority anymore. I don't need to be taking every job and and focus on that as my main source of income. My brand is really that for me. So I have, I feel lucky in the sense where I'm able to only take on partnerships 
with companies I truly love and believe in and want to share with my followers. And I think my followers can tell a, that I'm really passionate about it or B that they can really trust it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How can other influencers sort of lean into that and build that trust? Like what, Mm -hmm. what are like tangible tips you have? Because I think that there's something to be said about like how much people trust you. And like, also by the way, like people as in like me too, you know, like I see the way you talk about things and I really do trust what you stand behind. Thank you. (laughs) It's not a trust that's easily earned. I think one of the most important things for an influencer nowadays is to learn when to say no, because if you're promoting 10 different types of supplements and three different types of even tequila brands, like how are your followers supposed to trust which one you like the best? And okay, now we've heard you talk about a product like WellBell for two years. Okay, I definitely know that she wants to, that this works. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just about being consistent, being exclusive in a certain sense, and also having creative control over your content, especially for a brand is really important. And it's a lot more rare now that a brand will allow you to have that. So when I work with brands, I really have to, you know, talk them through like, this is how I like to share my content and it's going to be really organic. I might not know the day that I'm going to post about it, but when I feel good about it, you're going to see it and you're going to see results from it. And just please trust me. But it's not necessarily the case for every brand or every influencer that it works that way. This is like, but this to me as a brand founder is like Mm -hmm. so confusing. I'm like, if you want a billboard, why don't you just pay for a billboard? Because if you force someone like that, you know, just take away all creative agency, what kind of content are they going to produce? Right. You know, it's never going to feel authentic. It's never, you know, you just get kind of fucking sick of it. But you have to still have as a brand right now, let's go to the brand Mm -hmm. side. You have to still have a list of of deliverables and Mm -hmm. things you want. Like it has to have a call to action to click on the link to purchase it. You, if you have your code, make sure it's visible. Like we want clean backgrounds, like whatever you feel like is still really authentic to your brand and combine that with whatever feels good for the influencer and work together. And I'll never accept a contract with a brand unless I'm face to face on Zoom or meeting in person with the company. And I think it's so important to just ask questions. So as an influencer, I will always say, what are your goals for the company? Like, what are your goals for this campaign? Do you want visibility? Do you want sales? Do you want people to buy the bloat pills? Do you want them to buy the tea? Like, what do you want from it? You want to promote the travel case? Like, what are you into right now? And what are your goals from it? And it may just be, I want it all. I want visibility and sales. And then, you know, I'll curate my content in a way that still works for my followers that will also work to achieve your goals. Something that I think you've done incredibly well is diversified so that you're not just a creator, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, you have a brand, you are an advisor, owner of different brands. Like, I think that you've just been extremely, extremely smart and savvy with the way that you've conducted yourself as a businesswoman. So how did you start to diversify the things that you were doing? I think it, it came very naturally because fashion and being an influencer, being a blogger at first and a content creator wasn't something that came naturally. I kind of just like fell into it. Mm -hmm. And before that, I was always very entrepreneurial and business focused. And I was like, how many different companies can I own? And what can I start to solve a problem in this specific space? So, you know, I have a tech company. And then I decided I wanted to share my life in a way that no one else had heard before. So I wrote a book and became a New York Times bestselling author. And then I saw a problem within the influencer industry that we couldn't organize and there was no project management system that existed for us. So I created Mo Assist. 
And I see that I could play a role in advising for this CBD company and completely changing their branding. So I invest and I join as an advisor. And I really just always have had my hands in so many different buckets and I wore so many different hats. And that's something that actually came really natural to me, even more so than being in front of the camera. What was step one, though? Like you were you were content creator, you know, with a very robust community. What was step one? Did you work with a brand? Did you just go into starting your own brand? Like what was step one? Yeah, I had done a million collaborations Uh with brands where I was promoting their products and I was able to ask questions and follow up and see what the sales were from the different types of content I was creating. And then I did some collaborations that were design oriented. So, you know, I did jewelry collection for Topshop and I did denim with Joe's jeans and I did sweatpants with Splendid. And I did a few different collaborations that I learned lots of great lessons from. And then finally, I was like, okay, I'm going to put the proof in my own goddamn pudding and create a brand Mm -hmm. and create my own product because the power of an influencer is really harnessed when you own your own product that you're promoting. Mm-hmm. And that's my suggestion for anyone in the influencer industry is not not just to create another clothing brand. It may be candles. It may be a supplement. It may be a, an alcohol brand, but create something that you own and that you can really like, that's how you create longevity in your career. You know, you could get canceled one day and all of a sudden you don't have your influencer business and no brand wants to pay you, but you still own a product that you know you can sell because your fans are loyal. So I think that's really important. I don't even know where the question was, but that's where I went with it. (laughs) So when you did start your own brand, it was Second Skin Overalls. Was that the first one that you did? Yeah. And that was because I saw space in the market I knew I could fill. There was no brand of overalls that fit well and were modern, but were still kind of cool and vintage inspired. What were some challenges that you ran into when you were just starting out? I mean, everything. <laughs> First of all, I was not a design major. I was not a production major. So I I knew nothing. I, I hired all who I thought all the right people were to help bring my product to life and sell it. But finding the right business partner that had that expertise was that was the thing I didn't do. So I tried to do everything on my own, which was not good, even though it was very successful and very fun. And I learned a lot from it. Then when I started We Wore What and actually used my namesake brand Mm -hmm. to create products, I had all the right people involved. So I guess for anyone who's listening and who wants a tip there, make sure that you have like the roots, correct? Make sure you find the right people who have the expertise that you don't. So I knew marketing and creation and selling. And then I found somebody who was amazing at production. I could not agree more Mm -hmm. because... I mean, you know, you've met Nish. We do two fully different things in the business. And had I... I You guys are such a cool power couple. I'm obsessed with it. Thank you. But if I didn't have him, Mm -hmm. I I don't know how I would have built Array to what it is today or like whatever aspiration. I mean, I'm sure I would have figured out a way, right? Anyone does. But like, it's so much fucking harder Mm -hmm. if you don't have someone like who's your business partner or like a support system who's able to fill in the gaps maybe where you are not as strong. Exactly. And it's so important to find the right business partner. So when I had a shoe line, I had a bad business partner and I learned a lot of lessons. I got cheated out of a lot of things. And it was super important for me to not only find a business partner who I trusted, but also that our morals aligned and we had the same ethics and like work value and company culture. And we wanted the same thing as an outcome for the business. And that was really important. And I'm glad I found that. What are some red flags now? Because like, I mean, this Mm -hmm. shoe situation that you had was not the best. So talk to me about red flags that you look for. Yeah. I mean, I think contractually having 
a lot of control is so important. And I didn't have that in like the fine prints of my contracts, even with like my other collaborations early on. So really like having your legal shit down pat so you can really protect yourself if it ever comes down to it and that you have certain rights that you really truly need and that are, you know, creatively that you have the right control. And then just making sure that like all your ducks are in a row. I think that the legal piece is actually like a really good piece of advice. It's so important. Like have a kick-ass lawyer. And I said this on the last podcast I was on, but like I, yes, it's costly and it's like painful to get those bills, but like having a great legal team that really is looking out for your best interests, especially when it comes to these agreements that are for companies that are going to take you years down the line and be your main source of income. It's just so important. I fully agree because, and I think that, you know, when you're starting a business, not just as a content creator, but like any business, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and you're strapped for resources. It's like the thing that you think it's okay to skimp on, but it's It's actually not. the most important thing to spend your money on. Yeah. It really is. Because like, they'll protect you. They'll find the things that like, Mm -hmm. you know. They'll save you money down the line. That's the whole point. A good lawyer will save you money in the long run and will pay for itself. I totally, totally agree. So, I mean, you heard it here. Yeah. (laughs) Get your lawyer. You've been warned. (laughs) Find a good lawyer, you guys. (laughs) So I want to pivot here a little bit and talk about relationships and networking. Okay. I think that you are really very good at this. And like, I mean, I think that you've built good relationships. Mm -hmm. How did you start? Like, how did you start building relationships and how important have they been in your business as you've kind of grown? Yeah, I mean, I talk about this a lot, like almost every time I speak publicly or on a podcast about being a fearless networker, but I truly have always been a fearless networker. I'm never afraid to go up to the most important person in the room and say hi and introduce myself and more importantly, follow up with that person. So make sure I get a contact, even if it's their assistant and follow up, set up a meeting or do whatever I need to do to, you know, get in the room with them after. But I think it's just been so important to expand my network in places like, you know, like restaurants and hospitality and nightlife and in the foods, like just everything. And that way now when I'm going out to companies that I want to be an advisor for and I'm like, oh, well, these are all my connections in hospitality. And they're like, whoa, that's so crazy. Like I thought you were just a fashion person, but you know, I know this restaurant owner and this famous chef and like this person that owns a nightlife group. And that's all just been from relationship building over, you know, the past decade plus and being really social, saying yes to going out to events and, and, you know, making sure when I go to those things that I'm meeting new people there as well. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. 
The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. So talk to me about like when someone is at the beginning of their career. Okay, Mm -hmm. They're starting out in New York City. What the fuck do you do to start building relationships? I mean, there's so many events and networking opportunities now where you can meet so many great people. Just go to them and say yes. And when there's a panel discussion where there's three amazing people speaking on a panel, there'll always be an opportunity to meet them after. So go listen to what they have to say. Make sure you know what you're going to say before you go up to them and make sure it's something valuable. Make sure it's asking them a follow-up question about something they spoke about or introducing something about yourself in a way that relates to them and then just follow up. Smart. I want to also talk about your book. Why did you decide to... Like and my book. <laughs> I don't have it. It's very good. I read, read it? it. Yes, oh, of course okay. I read it. I read it right when it came out. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was such... I, by the way, I love memoirs. Is it a memoir? I, it sort of. Well, I I, categor- I put it in that same category, mm. like in the same category as DVF's book, or like, yeah. do you know the founder of Rodeal, Maria? Yes, mm-hmm. her. I I've loved her books, and okay, like, I need to read. yeah. Oh my god, they're so good. Yeah. I think like you would really. Yeah, vibe I with always that. say it's called. This is not a fashion story, mm-hmm. and I always say it's about my life thus far mm-hmm. because I I wrote it when I was still. I came out when I was twenty seven, yeah, twenty eight. So I still have so much to write about even between the past three years since it came out. And I definitely will have book two. So it's a memoir is really about like your whole life. So I feel like I've only lived part of the memoir part one, part one. It's part (laughs) one for sure. But it was very, very good. I thought it was so interesting. It was such an easy read. And there were actually I wanted it to be easy. Yeah. And And I I think that there were tangible takeaways. And I also think that it was nice for people to get a look into your life, which maybe wasn't back in the day when you started what Mm -hmm. it is today. So what made you even decide that you were going to write a book? I just think people had all of these preconceived notions about the way I grew up and the type of opportunities I was given or how I even started my career. And I really wanted to, A, share that part. And then I also wanted to share about my relationships with men and, and the insecurities that I had growing up. And just really about like, my life as like the, you know, the sex in the city that has been like the early part of my life and being like in your 20s in New York City and all the lessons I learned. And I wanted to just share a part of me in my words that nobody had heard before. What were the factors that contributed to the like the kind of confident, comfortable with yourself woman that you've become today? Because I think it's really interesting mm-hmm. because you started this whole journey when you were what, like early 18. 20s? Eight, okay, 18. yeah, there we go. You're barely a formed 19, human 18, 19, with like a yeah. brain. Yeah. You know, like I look back at myself at 19 and I was like, what the fuck was I doing? I was always like, thought I was so beyond my years uh-huh. and I wasn't even really. I just thought that way of myself. And I, when I was in high school in Great Neck outside of New York City, I would come into the city to intern all the time and I would want to expose myself to as much as possible. And I had my fake ID and I wore six inch heels and I went out as if I was 21 when I was 15 years old. So I always wanted to be way older than my age. And I think that I was just born with this confidence that 
couldn't be explained because I was like glasses, braces and was like not really cute. And I <laughs> still thought I was hot shit. So for better or for worse, I was like a com- a combination of like confidence and cocky all in like the weirdest ways, but they somehow worked for me career wise. But then even in my mid twenties, then I got really insecure and I was insecure in my looks and my relationship and my skills, but I still kept going. And I was always really good at like faking it till you made it. Like I could put on a face no matter where I went that I was like really confident. And then that sort of just like flipped and in my late twenties became really confident again. How did you like, what were the tools that you used to kind of nurture that relationship with self? Well, I think, I mean, I had like a severe editing issue, like in my mid twenties, I was, I never wanted to be a model. I never wanted to be in front of the camera. That just wasn't me. And so I grew up with like, you know, the nineties supermodels that were stick skinny and like, didn't think clothes look good unless you were. And so I would edit myself to look like that for such an early portion of my career. Finally, in my mid to late twenties, I like came public about it and was like, this is what I've been doing. And it felt so bad and I felt so bad about myself. And like, now I want to like really show more of the real me. And like, listen, that's not to say like, I don't smooth something out here and there. And like, we do photo shoots all the time and there's editing involved, but it's not like the body transformations that I was doing before. And those were super unhealthy. So I think coming clean about that in a way was a really like important moment for me to be like, oh, I can finally own the way that I look and love it. And what made you even decide to kind of... I think people were just calling me out of, on it like so often that I was like, yeah, like you're fucking right. Like, let me just like stop this. And then how did you like, how did you start to kind of like have that self-love that you didn't feel the need to do that anymore? I mean, I'll give Melissa a lot of credit. She came into my life and really taught me how to, from a physical standpoint, love my body and and to and to be nice to myself in the way that that I spoke about myself. And, you know, Melissa was my, my personal trainer for a long time before, like she even really started her influencer career. And she influenced such like a big part of my life. And then I started working with a life coach who really helped me work on my mental well-being and the way that I that I thought about things and just taught me how to be like nicer in general. I think like one of the first things I worked on with my life coach was she said, when you get in an Uber, do you ever say hi to the Uber driver and like have a conversation with them? And I was like, mm, I can't remember the last time I did that. And she's like, that's your lesson this week. Every single car ride you get into, I want you to ask the Uber about their lives. I want you to talk to the driver and, and like have a, a relationship with them during that ride. And I did. And it changed my life. I swear. Wait, what was the takeaway there? I, I was just like, oh my God, these fucking people that are obviously humans, but like we would have the most interesting conversations and I would be so intrigued by their lives. And, you know, some, there would be sad stories and happy stories. And they would then say to me, you know, no one's ever spoken to me in this car ride. Everyone just like gets in and like, doesn't speak. And like, it's been such a nice experience, like Mm -hmm. driving you. And it felt so good to have that like feel good moment. I could cry thinking about it, but, and I mean, it's not to say now I don't get in a car and I'm I'm busy, I'm on the phone and I can't have those full conversations. But like every time I like remember that little tidbit, it makes a huge difference in my day. I actually love that tip. I feel like everyone should go do that. Like everybody should, you know, and it it really is like, it's really interesting because the concierge in my building would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I lived in the same building in Toronto for like yeah. nine years. And I was really like close to my concierge. And like that yeah, happened. I love because, my dorm. Oh my best. God, the yeah. best. And like that would, 
that was only because, you know, every time I'd see them, hey, like, how's it going? How's your day? You know, mm -hmm. like, what'd you get up to? And they would constantly tell me that, like, the residents in the building, that kind, no like, they don't that. really ask us that. Like, yeah. you know, that's it's so nice. And I don't know, like, I think it just makes people's day. And like, it's like kind of good energy back yeah, at it you. It seems like such a no brainer, but it's really about like an energy shift in your life and in their lives and in like the chaos that is life. And it just changes everything. It really does. It's like being present. Yeah. Like it know? is being present and it's not always easy. You like sometimes you're in a meeting or you're with somebody else in the car and you're having a conversation or like you're fighting with your significant other or like and then I always apologize if that happens as well. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry for this. Like, please forgive me. Oh, my God. Yeah. OK. Pivoting a little bit. Yes. I want to talk about productivity because mm -hmm. you do a fucking lot. Mm -hmm. OK. How do you I'm schedule your days? Like, I mean, you you have a brand, you're a content creator. You were writing a book before. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if you are anymore, but like or a second one, maybe. But like, not yet. You you have like a million things going on. How do you structure your days? So, you know, and I'll always give them the credit. I have an amazing team. You know, I have Mo and I have Alexa and I have Haley and then the rest of our whole team. And Mo runs my life. She puts together my calendar. I even have in there when I need to shower at times. <laughs> On the days that are super busy, it's like 4.30 shower because you have to go back out for events later. I schedule my workouts in my calendar when I have like anything I have to do, like personal care related. And I live my life by my calendar for better or for worse, but it really helps me to be the most efficient with my time. And then, you know, I ha I've been able to delegate in a way that I never was before and, and really, you know, step into that leadership role and trust people to literally do their jobs and not need to micromanage anymore. And that's just about finding all the right people and having a great team. Talk to me about that, that trust piece, mm -hmm. because when people are making their early hires, that's fucking hard. Yeah. It, I mean, I'm so lucky I found Mo early on and Alexa is my right hand now. Like, it's so crazy to find like really good, solid people that want to grow with you, that they see the opportunity. And like, I'll always take care of my people. Like all the girls know, like I love them. I'm very generous with my girls and, and I always will be. They're so important to me in my business. There is no we without all of them, right? Mm -hmm. We really are we or what, even though it's like me as the front facing of it. But it's just so important to find good people that you trust. And it doesn't always work that way with initial hires. I've had, you know, a bit of crossover with uh, with girls in like the creative department of my company. And, you know, you just have to find people that you that not only fit your company culture, but that are also wor willing to work as hard as you are and care mm -hmm. as much as you do. I love that. OK, so before we wrap, I want to do a quick rapid fire round. OK. OK, so first question, what is a habit that's a non-negotiable for you? Working out. What, what are you what are you doing lately? Combination of Melissa and then I have a trainer, Brie. Love that. OK, what is a book that changed your life? I think writing my own book changed my life. Oh, okay. can I say that? Yes, you can. OK, but I also want another book recommendation. I, I can't remember the last time I read a book start to finish. OK, well, your book was very good. So you know what? Ego is the enemy is an amazing book that I read parts of. Mm -hmm. And then are you the one and any podcasts that you really love? I listen to like all the fun ones. Call her daddy. I listen to the New York Times podcast just to get information. Yeah. Love that. Three essential pieces for every wardrobe. Three essential pieces for every wardrobe. Great white t-shirt, perfect leather jacket, and some high rise like straight leg jeans. Amazing. Tell everyone where they can find you if they don't already know. <laughs> we wore what and shop we wore what is my brand. Amazing. Thank you for being here. Thank you. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.